Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we continue the series, This is the Way. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Hello, community. I am so glad to be with you today. I don't know about you, but in this strange season of COVID, one of the things I have missed the most was the Summer Olympics. Remember those were supposed to happen? Anyone else out there an Olympic nut? I am literally glued to the television for two weeks every Olympic year. And every once in a while, an athlete comes along with a performance that raises the bar. For example, Simone Biles. I mean, not only is she the most decorated gymnast in the history of the sport, she can do things that that no one has ever been able to do. She has raised the bar. Or how about Olympic sprinter Alexin Felix? Not only is she the most decorated track and field athlete ever, just last September, she won a record 12th world championship just 10 months after giving birth to a baby. I mean, the baby isn't even out of diapers yet, and she is winning gold medals. She has raised the bar. Or let me tell you about an Olympian you might not know. His name is Dick Fosbury, and he changed the sport of high jumping forever. You see, before Fosbury, high high jumping looked like this, going face first over the bar. Fosbury was the first one to go backward over the bar. And with this jump, he won the 1968 Olympics. I mean, he literally raised the bar in his sport. But as amazing as these athletic achievements are, no one has ever raised the bar like Jesus. Now, of course, I'm not talking about Jesus doing backflips or winning the gold in the 100 meters. Jesus raised the bar on what righteousness looks like in his kingdom. Today, we are continuing with week three in our series, This is the Way. And we started this series back on week one by reminding one another that the way is a person. Finding your way back to God means finding your way to Jesus. He is the way. He is king and every person must decide whether they're gonna give their allegiance to him or to another. So the way is a person, but the way is also a way of being in this world. You see, the very first Christ followers, they followed Jesus in this way, and they lived lives that were so upside down, countercultural that, that everyone around them began to take notice. And these onlookers, they needed a way to refer to this growing band of men and women. And so they began calling them followers of the way. Followers of the way. These followers of the way, they were apprentices to Jesus, meaning they left everything about their old way of life behind. And they reoriented everything in their lives, their their beliefs, their values, their practices around Jesus and his kingdom. 
the followers of the way, were apprentices of Jesus. And during this series, we are challenging one another as apprentices of Jesus to follow him in his way too. And specifically, we're talking about following Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount are Jesus' teachings about how life in the kingdom of God is meant to be lived. And today we're gonna see that that way includes raising the bar on righteousness. Now, righteousness is one of those big Bible words that can be hard to understand. A lot of the times when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about this meaning, a right relationship between people and God. For example, we have been declared righteous by what Jesus did for us on the cross. But the word has a broader range of meaning than that. It can also mean this. It can mean behavior that conforms to God's will, faithfulness to God's commands. And understand when Jesus taught this group of Jewish men and women who were gathered on a, on a hillside in Galilee, they all would have understood that he was talking about this second meaning, about what it means to live a righteous life life. Now, in our day, everyone assumes that, that they are the ones living the righteous life. Okay, now we don't use that word, but in all of the arguments flying around in our culture, everyone assumes that they are in the right, that they are on the moral high ground. I mean, can you even imagine hearing someone say, you know what? I think your side is the right one. I think your side is on the morally right way. Can you even imagine that happening like on cable news? I can't either. I mean, everyone assumes that they are on the moral high ground. And in a similar way, uh, Jesus found himself at odds with, with the religious leaders about their ways. You see, he found themselves at odds. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they accused Jesus of breaking the Torah, which we know as the first five books of the Old Testament. It's also referred to as the law. You see, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they believed that they were the ones upholding the law and they thought that Jesus was just casting these scriptures aside. I mean, they were so passionate about what they thought was righteousness and Jesus wasn't playing by their rules. In fact, they thought that he was lowering the bar on faithfulness to God's commands. And so Jesus speaks to this in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he says. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus makes it clear that he has not come to throw out the law, but to fulfill it. What this means is that everything in the Old Testament was pointing us to him. God's plan has always been to be our king and to invite us to live in his kingdom. And in Jesus, this plan has become a reality. Now, Jesus continues. He says, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And here is the clincher, listen to this. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus is raising the bar. He's calling his apprentices to a new way of living out the scriptures. And he says that in this new way, they will surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now you gotta understand, to the people listening to Jesus' words, this claim would have been shocking. After all, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were considered the most righteous people around. They were meticulous about following the Torah to the letter of the law. And yet, according to Jesus, they got it all wrong. I mean, how could that be? And even more important, how do we make sure we don't make the same mistake? New Testament professor Scott McKnight refers to this passage in the Sermon on the Mount as the most significant passage in the entire Bible on how to read the Bible. You see, the mistake the Pharisees and the teachers of the law made when it came to understanding the scriptures is that they were so focused on the letter of the law that they missed the heart of the law. They were so focused on external conformity And before we're too hard on them, I have to confess that I sometimes can relate. I'll admit to you that uh, while I know a lot of you are born rebels, I've always been the girl who wanted to do the right thing. Yes, I am the one who is following the arrows on the floor of the grocery store and going the right way. And maybe getting a little irritated at you that are going the wrong way, but you know what? I get it, that's my issue. But understand that the Pharisees, they were masters at obeying the letter of the law. They wanted to make sure that everything on the outside looked perfect, but they approached righteousness kind of like these famous monkeys. They just wanted to make sure to see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And as long as they did those things, they thought they were okay, but their problem was their righteousness went no deeper than their external actions. And in the process, they missed the most important thing that undergirds all of God's commands. You know what it is? Love. They missed love. To understand what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount, it can be helpful to look forward to something else he'll, he'll say later on in the book of Matthew about the law and the prophets. This is what Jesus says. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then listen to this. He says, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. When Jesus tells us that everything in the law and the prophets hang on loving God and loving others, He's telling us that in his kingdom, the way to live out the scriptures is to love. The way to live out the scriptures is to love. Unlike the religious leaders, Jesus isn't concerned with just external conformity to to a bunch of rules or commands. No, Jesus cares about the heart. He doesn't just want external obedience. He wants internal transformation. He wants transformed hearts. And in this way, Jesus is raising the bar 
for his followers on what it means to be faithful to God's commands. In the way of the kingdom, the way to live out the scriptures is to love. To walk in the way of Jesus is to walk in the way of love. You see, he, he wants to empower us to live lives of radical love. As we follow him, as his apprentices, he will teach us to love like he loves. Now, what follows in the rest of Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount are six examples of this radical way of love. What Jesus does in this section is he takes an Old Testament scripture and he elevates it through the lens of love. Now, we don't have time to go through all six examples today. You'll have to join us for the Turn the Page Bible experience for that. But, but let's take a look at a few of them and see how Jesus raises the bar of righteousness. All right, first example. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Now, this command is straight out of the Old Testament. It's actually straight out of the 10 Commandments. And if all I'm concerned with is following this command to the letter of the law, I will likely end each day thinking, you know what? I didn't murder anyone today. I'm all good. And, and hopefully you can say the same thing too. However, we all know that there are lots of ways that we can hurt people that stop short of murder, right? See, Jesus isn't just concerned with the, the letter of the law. He's concerned with the heart, with the intent behind the law. The way of the kingdom of God is love. And so Jesus raises the bar of righteousness as he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. See, Jesus doesn't just prohibit the act of murder. He calls us to rid our hearts of the anger and, and the contempt that we hold against other people. One of my favorite authors of all time, Dallas Willard, he explains this passage this way. He says, when we trace wrongdoing back to its roots in the human heart, we find that in the overwhelming number of cases, it involves some form of anger. It is the elimination of anger and contempt that Jesus presents as the first and fundamental step towards the rightness of the kingdom heart. You see, Jesus knows that the anger that we harbor against one another, it, it ruins relationships. It destroys love. And so he calls us his apprentices to, to raise the bar on righteousness. He calls us to get rid of the anger in our lives and instead to seek reconciliation. Jesus raises the bar on righteousness. Let's take a look at a second example. This one is about oaths, okay? Jesus starts out and he says again, you have heard that it was said, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Now, this seems really straightforward, right? If you make a vow, fulfill that vow. But then Jesus surprises us and he says this, he says, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all 
either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus raises the bar beyond, uh, beyond just fulfilling oaths to not even making oaths in the first place. But why does he do that? What is the big deal about oaths? Well, think about why we swear oaths. We swear oaths to try to convince another person that, that this time we're telling the truth. Whether it's in a courtroom or a conversation, we use oaths to, to kind of indicate there's a greater level of authenticity or transparency than otherwise would have taken place. I mean, sometimes we use oaths to try to manipulate another person. We say things like, I swear to God, to try to counter someone's skepticism. You see, what Jesus understands about oaths is that if you always tell the truth, oaths are unnecessary. He's calling his apprentices to live lives of honesty and straightforwardness because that is the loving way. And in the kingdom of God, the way to live out the scriptures is to love. Jesus is raising the bar of righteousness. Let's look at one more example. And I think this one will hit home for a lot of us. Jesus said this, he said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But then he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Friends, let's face it. This has been a difficult year. And when we have COVID and all the arguments and different opinions flying around about that, of course, we have a, had a year with just heartbreaking racial division in our country. And now we're just a, a few days out from one of the most divisive elections in our history. I mean, there has been conflict all around us. And for many of us, that conflict has spilled into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, maybe even into our, our families and our friendships and, and relationships. This has been a season where many of us have viewed the other as the enemy and felt justified in our hate. Now, those are strong words, and I, I, I know we don't like them, but we've got to be honest about that. I have to be honest about that. I have struggled this year to like, let alone love, some of the people in my life. But I have no doubt that if Jesus were walking among us today, he would call us as his apprentices to raise the bar on how we love those who think differently than we do, how we love those who we dislike, how we love those who maybe we even despise. I love the way that, that Eugene Peterson paraphrased Jesus' words in this passage. This is what he said. He said, I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, oh, I love this, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. You see, loving those who 
think like us, who are like us, who look like us, who act like us, that is no longer sufficient. Jesus raises the bar on righteousness and he calls us to love our enemies. To walk in the way of Jesus is to walk in the way of love. The way to live out the scriptures in the kingdom of God is to love. Still, anyone out there feeling like the bar is just a little too high? Anyone out there feeling a little overwhelmed? Maybe you think of all the ways that that you kind of fail to live in this way of love and you think if that's where the bar is set, I will never measure up. But you have to understand it's exactly at this point that we have a tendency to make the same mistake that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law made. You see, we think it's about trying harder to be good. We think it's about trying to earn our way to righteousness. But let me remind you of this truth from the Apostle Paul. He, he tells us that there is no one righteous, not even one. You see, on our own, we cannot be righteous. If we just simply rely on our own ingenuity and strength, we can't clear the bar that Jesus set. It sort of reminds me of a famous story from the life and conquest of um, Alexander the Great. As the story goes, uh, there was this particular town square in this particular region where Alexander and his armies were, were fighting. And the king of this region had commissioned that this knot would be tied. And this knot was so complex and so tightly wound that, that no one could untie it. It was called the Gordian Knot. In fact, the king felt so confident that no one would ever be able to untangle this knot that he issued a proclamation that if someone could untangle it, he would give them his place as king. Well, as the story goes, Alexander walked into that town square and he took one look at the knot, pulled out his sword, and with one swing, he just sliced that tangled mess open. And friends, in essence, that is what Jesus did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. None of us can be righteous on our own. But when we were in the, the tangled up mess of our own self-centeredness, God sent his son to cut through the tangled mess of our sin. Jesus has done it for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Through what Jesus did for us on the cross, we have been declared righteous. Because of Jesus, we are righteous in God's sight. And therefore, when we come to the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus raises the bar of righteousness, what he in effect is doing is he's just calling us to live into the truth of who we already are. He's calling us to follow him as his apprentices and live lives of radical love. And as we do follow him, learning from him how life in the kingdom of God is meant to be lived, he will transform our hearts to love like he loves. And then, then when we find ourselves wanting to hold on to anger against another person, his spirit inside of us will prompt us to ask, what does the way of love look like in this situation? When we find ourselves wanting to manipulate another person with our words, 
His spirit inside of us will nudge us to ask, what does the way of love look like in this situation, in this conversation? When we find ourselves wanting to to lash out at an adversary, his spirit inside of us will prod us to ask, what does the way of love look like in this confrontation? To walk in the way of Jesus is to walk in the way of love. He wants to empower us to live out the kingdom way of love. The very first Christ followers, they followed Jesus in this radical way of love and he used them to bring so much goodness to the world. The radical love of Jesus, it could transform our world today too. The only question is, will we follow him? Let's pray together. Jesus, as we imagine ourselves at the foot of the cross, remembering the radical love that you poured out for us, how could we do anything but follow you? Jesus, you are king. We declare our allegiance to you and we ask you by the spirit living inside of us to transform our hearts so that we can learn to love the way you love. God, if there are any ways that, that right now any of us are justifying any attitudes, any actions that are not loving, I pray that your spirit would root that out of our hearts and instead transform us by your love so that we can live lives of radical love too. God, use us to bring goodness to this world. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. And it's in your name we pray, amen.